Well, friends, good morning. Good morning and welcome to Pleasant Street Christian Forum Church. My name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of all of us. So glad that you could be with us today on this chilly, chilly morning as we gather for worship. When we gather, we do this sometimes in person, sometimes online, sometimes at the same time, sometimes after the fact. However you are with us today, glad that you could uh, be joining us as we worship the Lord together. Uh, for those of you who are new in particular, when we worship, we use a printed liturgy that has information about the life of our church. If you are with us online, uh, I invite you to take a look at the website as well uh, to learn more about the life of our congregation. And if you have questions, don't hesitate to shoot us an email. Uh, we know that at a time like this, um, there are less of us in the room than we're used to, but there are more of us out there than we can see. Uh, the good news is that whether, whether you are in the midst of, of many people or just a few, it is God who can be present and is present with us this morning, no matter where you are. Uh, and as we get started this morning, uh, things continue to move on in the life of our church. And so uh, that being said, we do have uh, an announcement about an upcoming event that we wanted to highlight for you. And in order to do that, I need the help of my friend, and so I'd like to invite Annika to come up and to join me. She's going to tell us a bit about that. Due to COVID, our youth group is unable to host the Sweetheart Supper fundraiser this year. However, you can still support youth ministry. This year on Saturday, February 12th, our youth group will be making chocolate-covered strawberries and pretzels and creating rose bouquets ready for pickup on Sunday, February 13th, right in time for Valentine's Day. If you would like to support youth ministry and purchase some of these sweet treats, you must order in advance by next Sunday, January 30th. Blank order forms and the box to put completed forms are on the table in the fellowship hall. Thank you for your support. And thank you, Annika, for letting us know uh, about those yummy treats coming up. Um, as we are worshiping this morning, I want to give one more welcome and invite uh, our friend Baird back. Uh, thanks for being here, Baird, with us today. Uh, and this, this winter, um, as we continue to worship, uh, this is the season after Epiphany. And uh, this Epiphany season, we are following Jesus in the Gospel of John. And in particular, this week and next week, we get to watch Jesus do something really wonderful and very, very ordinary. Have a conversation. Uh, Jesus has a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, and next week with a woman at a well. And amidst all the things that have changed for us uh, this winter and the past couple of years, to see Jesus do something this ordinary gives us hope that perhaps today he might be able to find us and talk to us too. So friends, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's worship together. The call to worship, God's words to us, is printed on the screen. You can find it in your bulletin. The Lord be with you. Brothers and sisters, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Son, risen from the dead and present by his word. Praise the Spirit who testifies in our hearts that the Lord is risen indeed. Worthy, Worthy is, is Jesus, the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is Jesus, whose body was given to set us free from sin. Worthy is Jesus, who unites us, children of God. 
Alleluia. Let's sing together. Arise, put on your armor on, hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. And army bold, whose battle cry is love. Reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen and as the stone was rolled away and Christ emerges from his grave this victory march continue till the day every eye and heart shall see him in every stride give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith and win the prize of serving God and faithful as saints of old away retelling triumphs of his grace we hear the call and hunger for the day when Christ shall stand in glory
Almighty God, we confess to you that it's hard to be a colony of heaven in the country of death. You ask for our hands that you might use them to bless. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You ask for our mouths to speak against injustice and for good news. We gave you a whisper that we might not be accused. You ask for our eyes to show us the poverty and aimlessness among us. We got distracted by the game we did not really want to see. You ask for our lives that you might work through us. We gave a small part. We did not want to get too involved. Lord, forgive our calculated efforts to serve you only when it is convenient to do so, only where it is acceptable to do so, only with those who make it easy to do so. Forgive us, Lord, and raise us from sin that we may be your faithful people. Renew us in the joy and freedom of your Holy Spirit where we are prisoners to ourselves. Gather us to your word of grace. Send us out in joy and freedom as usable instruments. Through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear this good news. You were ransomed for the futile ways of living that you inherited from the word, world. Ransomed not with gold or silver, which tarnishes, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without defect or blemish. Through him you trust in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Amen. Jesus has bought us back from slavery to death. Jesus has brought us into a new light of life, the way of forgiveness. We offer our hands, our hearts, and our lives, O oh Lord. I sought the Lord 
And afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. It was not I, no, I was found in me. Not I, but Christ, not I, but Christ, thou art the seeker, and I the found. Thou art the seeker, and I the found. of Christ be with you. Why don't you just greet those around you with the peace of Christ. All right, my friends, it's time. Could we have our third through fifth grade students come on up because we have a blessing for you. Nope, nope, nope. What's happening? Oh, look, 
Look at that. I got the wrong, I'm ahead of myself, right? Um, age four through second grade, you guys know what to do. You don't need me up here. Come on up. It's good someone does. Hi, guys. Look at that. Just watching that candle. There it is. It's like a magnet. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you? Good. You remember how to do this? Yeah? You've been practicing. Let's see. People of God, what is our prayer? Lord, continue to show us your wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. The Lord be with you. Nicely done. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. All right, guys. See you later. see all of those kids. Uh, good morning. My name is Dawn LaFrancis, and I am one of the elders here at Pleasant Street, and it is my privilege to lead us in prayer this morning. So would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, God of love, Jesus, Son and Savior, light of the world, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, to you, we bring our hosannas and praises this morning. We thank you that you have called each of us by name into your presence, whether here in this building, online in our homes, or gathered in millions of places throughout the world. Thank you, Lord, for your unimaginable love for us, a love so deep that you are willing to sacrifice your only son to redeem us and bring us back into a relationship with you. Father, as we just sang, we are reminded that it was not us who went seeking you, but instead you are the one who searches us out and calls us into your love. Good Shepherd, thank you for your promise that you will never abandon your sheep, even when we are distracted by inviting and seemingly greener pastures just outside of where you have led us. We confess our stubbornness and pride, our selfish desires, and our tendency to think we know better. Open our ears to not only hear you calling us, but stir within us a passion and desire to trust that you have everything we need and more if we but follow you. Holy Spirit, thank you for calling and providing leaders for Pleasant Street Church. We thank you for Pastors Matthew and Annika, for staff who are committed to the growth and development of our church family the babies in our nursery, our school-age children, our young adults, and our not-so-young adults. Thank you for those who manage the finances and hold us fiscally responsible, for those who manage the office and the many details required to keep us in order, in touch, and on track, for those who care for, clean, and maintain our physical building. We give you thanks for elders and deacons whom you have charged to provide leadership and direction as we seek your will for our church family and for all of those who serve in a multitude of volunteer capacities, many hidden and behind the scenes. We ask that you would lead and guide us as we seek to serve you and our community. 
Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, thank you for the many ways you have blessed us this week, far beyond our needs. You've blessed us with warm homes, warm clothing, warm meals on our tables, things which we admittedly so often take for granted. Help us to remember, to notice, and to look for those in our own community who struggle to make ends meet, who must choose daily between food to eat or utilities to keep warm, who are living in cars, dumpsters, or out in the elements. Lord, I confess that it's so easy to become so wrapped up in ourselves that we overlook the needs of others. Give us eyes to see and to notice people as Jesus did. Move our hearts, our hands, and our wallets to share what you have given us and be a blessing to others. Father, we thank you for the gift of incredibly intricate minds and bodies created in your image. We praise you for the gift of a new grandson, Lucas, to Chuck and Lauren. We ask that you would be with Lucas, Lord, that you would help him to grow. Be with Bridget as she heals from giving birth to Lucas. And we pray that they would soon be able to come home and join their family. Father, we pray for those who are struggling with illnesses and frailties in their bodies. Be with Luann as her hand heals from surgery. For those who are undergoing treatments for serious or terminal illnesses, we praise you for the good reports that Karen is doing so well with her treatments. For those who are struggling with conditions for which there seems to be no answer or no relief. For those who are aging, shut in and isolated, for those whose minds are failing or are suffering from anxiety or depression, for those who are battling viruses or long-lasting side effects from an illness. Lord, for Hank and Bev E., who are struggling with chronic conditions and do not seem to be able to find relief. We pray for Henny, for Carol L., for Donna, and for other members of our church family many of whom may be quietly or privately struggling with issues related to their health and ability to function daily. We ask that you would envelop them in your love, be with their loved ones and families as they support them. Holy Spirit, comforter, we lift up those who continue to mourn the recent loss of family members and loved ones. Fill them with your peace. Help them to fall into you when their sadness, questions, and grief overwhelm them. Jesus, healer, miracle worker, and comforter, thank you for welcoming our requests, for wrapping your arms around us, for carrying our burdens and drying our tears. Jesus, light of the world, we have just celebrated your birth and the season of Epiphany. Thank you now for the gospel story as told by John. Thank you for Pastor Matthew as he brings us your word today. Over these next few weeks, as we study your miracles and interactions with people from all walks of life, people just like us, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would awaken our hearts and our minds. Help us to move from the darkness that often clouds our lives into the brightness of your light. Fill us with a yearning to know you more deeply and intimately. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Hallelujah, Lord, we give you all the praise. Amen.
morning. This morning's lesson reading scripture is from the book of John, third chapter, the first 21 verses. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. One of the things that I love more and more all the time about Jesus is that he is unmanipulatable. No compliment, no background, no currying of favor can change his approach. And in this passage, we learn that 
God's Spirit is like God's Son, too. Unmanipulatable. Which is good news for us because it means that if we are wanting to have a conversation with Jesus, if we are wanting the winds of his spirit to blow over us, all we have to do is ask. Let's pray. God who hovers over things and blows new life into them, We come to you, people whom you created, just as you created all that is in the world. And yet, O God, we are confessed empty, unfinished, hurting, sad, longing for something that we cannot find on our own. And so we have come here, O God, asking that you would blow fresh winds of new life into us, that you would breathe out, that we might breathe in new life. As we turn our attention to this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, we ask by your Spirit that you would come and talk with us. Amen. Well, it happens to all of us, but only once. And when it happens, it's mostly about us, but we don't get to choose the time or the place or the people involved. And by the time it happens, a lot has already been determined about the shape of our life. What is it? Birth. There is at least one thing that everyone in this room and online has in common. We were all born. We all went through the trauma of being born. Once upon a time, for each of us, life was warm and cozy and dark, and then all of a sudden we were upside down, contorted, squished, squeezed, and after a few hours of this, suddenly we were grabbed by a pair of hands, and it was bright and cold and loud, and there was stuff in our lungs. No wonder babies yell. No wonder none of us remembers. And of all the ways that Jesus could try to describe real, genuine spiritual life to Nicodemus in the middle of the night, Jesus chooses this thing, this experience, which all of us have and none of us remember, being born. Now, some religions talk about finding the right state of mind to unlock spiritual life. Others will talk about finding the right path to walk to get you to spiritual life. Other religions will proscribe the right rules that you need to follow in order to earn spiritual life. Paganism wants to give you the right tools to gain power over the spiritual life. Secular religion prescribes a shot of wheatgrass for a healthier life. But what Jesus says to Nicodemus and to all of us about spiritual life is that you can't start a new diet or a habit or a discipline or an obedience and find it. You have to start over. You have to be born again. Nicodemus has come to Jesus in the dark of this night when he hears these strange, strange words. 
Maybe he's there because other Pharisees want to know about Jesus of Nazareth and they've sent him as an emissary. Or maybe he's there because he does not want the other Pharisees to know that he wants to see Jesus of Nazareth. Either way, Nicodemus has come in the dark seeking the light. He is looking for the truth. And John has already told us that that is why Jesus came way back in chapter 1, which we looked at a few weeks ago. That Jesus had come to be the fullness of grace and truth, to be light that comes into the dark, and the dark could not overcome it. So in other words, Nicodemus has come to the right place. Rabbi, we know that you have God's approval written all over you. The healings and the miracles that you are doing just don't make sense any other way. Jesus dispenses with the flattery and gets right to the point. Nicodemus, I want to tell you something very, very important. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, Nicodemus hadn't even gotten his question out. How did Jesus know? How did he do that? Well, because Nicodemus is a truth seeker, and his question is that of anyone who seeks the truth, really. What is God like? What is God up to exactly in this world? Can I know this God? Do I want to? John chapter 2 ended right before we picked, where we picked up the story. It ended with John telling us that Jesus knows all people. Jesus knows what's in the heart of each and every person. In other words, Jesus knows already that Nicodemus is looking for the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, you have to be born again to see that. Born again? Like the first time? Naked? Vulnerable? Without credentials? Being born means learning to hold a spoon all over again, to crawl, and then to walk, and then to talk. Being born again would mean starting over from the very beginning. So it's not really that surprising to us that Nicodemus quails at Jesus' words, is it? I mean, we sense his mockery. Are you you suggesting, Jesus, that an old person must somehow emerge again from his mother's womb? Are you saying, Jesus, that, that you'd have to start over from the very beginning? Of course, what he actually means is, are you saying that I have to start over from the beginning? John has already told us that Nicodemus was born okay the first time. Nicodemus belongs to an elite group of Jewish leaders called the Pharisees. Never more than 6,000 of them at a time, they were disciplined students of Torah. They were wealthy, they were well-educated, they were revered. But he's not just Jewish and a Pharisee. He also sits on the Supreme Court of Israel, the Sanhedrin, 70 elders who govern the lives of every single Jewish person in the entire world. Nicodemus is circles within circles, elite. We should probably just call him Saint Nick. 
And Jesus is saying to Saint Nick, a man born male, born Jewish, born into the right people of God, born with resources, born with the capacity for learning and law, Jesus is telling Saint Nick that no one can really glimpse God's kingdom without being born all over again. Which is absolutely crazy because Nicodemus was born okay the first time. Please notice with me that in this famous passage, which is on evangelistic posters all over the place, that when Jesus has this famous conversation with Nicodemus and those famous evangelistic words, he is talking to a religious person, not an unreligious person. He is talking to a moral person. He is talking to someone who has made something of himself. It is hard for us to imagine someone more qualified to enjoy a good relationship with God than Nicodemus. But when Jesus tells him that he has to be born again, Jesus is not suggesting a few flaws that St. Nick has to work on and airbrush out. Jesus is going after Nick's strengths. He's going after the things that make him who he is. He's focusing on the things that Nicodemus has done right in his life. Nicodemus, any person who wants to know God has to start all over again. Even you. And if St. Nick has to start over to see and know God, then surely we do too. And that should make our hair stand on end, really, because what it means is that Jesus is not taking issue with the things that we know or don't know about God. I have known a few people in my life who seem to be trying to read their way into the kingdom of God, and Jesus is saying that you can't study your way into God's good graces. Nor is Jesus taking issue with our behavior or our rule following. I have known some very disciplined and moral people, and yet Jesus is saying that you cannot behave your way into God's good graces. Jesus is saying that the problem is not how much we know or how well we follow the disciplines. The problem is our nature. It's not that we are in the dark and ignorant about God, but that we prefer it. Our problem is not that we don't keep God's rules, but that when we do, we do so for our own reasons and not his. And these things, well, they just come naturally to us because we were born this way. In the first couple of questions of the Heidelberg Catechism, which is about 400 years old and important to some of us who grew up in the Reformed tradition and in this congregation, right, it, uh, it says that you can sum up real spiritual life in just two things, loving God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and loving your neighbor as if your neighbor was you. And so then, right after that, the catechism, catechism asks the, the obvious next question, which is, okay, so can we do it? No. I have a natural tendency to hate God and my neighbor. Wow. 
So I'm reading a book right now about Dave Grohl. Some of you might know who he is. He's a rock star. Uh, he was the drummer for Nirvana in the early 1990s, and then later he founded the band Foo Fighters. Any Foo Fighters fans here? Yeah, okay, good. I was hoping for at least one. Okay. Um, well, the, the book is a little bit like the mouth of a rock star, so just keep that in mind, right? But uh, in it, there is this redeeming moment, right, which I want to highlight for you, uh, where Dave is writing about the moment when Nirvana exploded in popularity, right? You see, uh, what you have to know is that Dave and his friends were part of the punk rock and alternative grunge rock scene in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, and that's kind of like you could say in the 1960s, we would have called that being part of the counterculture, right? And uh, if you are in counterculture, what's the worst thing that you can do? You can go mainstream, right? They call it what? Selling out. Thank you. That's right. So, well, Nirvana started as this wild alternative grunge rock band playing in little clubs, clubs full of punk rockers where at the end of every show they would totally destroy all of their equipment, Right? Well, what happens, though, is that they get really popular, and not just popular, they become the biggest band in the world. And suddenly, all of the jock athlete kids who used to beat up people like Dave Grohl in high school are now wearing their letter jackets and coming to Nirvana shows. And it's making Dave a very rich kid. But Dave is having a bit of a crisis about this because he starts to realize how self-righteous he was. You see, the punk scene prided itself on being an alternative culture to mainstream, on being tolerant and welcoming of all misfits. It was like an island of misfit toys. Didn't matter how you were different, you could find a place to belong in these little clubs. But what Dave begins to realize is that even the punk rock scene had its own rules and boundaries. And he did not necessarily like the cool kids coming to his shows. And the point of all of this is simply to say that even the most tolerant, the most seemingly non-judgmental among us can, under the right circumstances, find ourselves hating a few neighbors. And the catechism is saying, why are you surprised? That's just what comes naturally. This, this is the scandal of this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. What Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus and all of us in this conversation is that he's not about life reorganization. He is not a religious Marie Kondo, right? After efficiency or streamlining our habits to maximize our spiritual potential, Jesus is not saying that there is something wrong with what we are doing. He is saying there is something wrong with us. And what we need is not renovation, but new birth. And thankfully, this is what comes naturally to God. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to meditate early every morning under a big tree on the bank of the Ganges River in India. One morning after he finished his meditation, the old man opened his eyes and he saw a scorpion floating helplessly by in the water. As the scorpion was washed closer to the tree, the old man quickly stretched himself out into the river to reach out and to rescue this drowning creature. 
Well, as soon as he touched it, what happened? The scorpion stung him. Instinctively, he withdrew his hand, shaking it off. But a minute later, after he had regained his balance on the tree, he stretched himself out again on the roots to save the scorpion. Well, this time, the scorpion stung him so badly with its poisonous tail that his hand became swollen and bloody and his face was contorted with pain. At just that moment, a passerby saw this old man stretched out on the roots struggling with the scorpion, and he shouted, Hey, old man, what's wrong with you? Only a fool would risk his life for the sake of an ugly, evil creature. Don't you know you could kill yourself trying to save that ungrateful scorpion? The old man turned his head, and looking at the stranger in the eye, he said calmly, My friend... Just because it is in the scorpion's nature to sting does not mean it changes my nature to save. And this parable is exactly what Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus. While it is in our nature to hate God and our neighbor, to use God and our neighbor, while it is in our nature to sting the hand that heals us, it is in God's nature to save. Which is why Jesus tells Nicodemus that you have to be born again. You know, Jesus doesn't just say that you have to start over with the same nature. No, that would bring us to the same point where we got in the first place. He is also saying that you need to start from a new place. The other part of that meaning of that word born again in Greek, it actually means to be born not from below, but from above. You have to be born from above. Nicodemus looks confused. We sympathize. Jesus explains Flesh gives birth to flesh, the spirit gives birth to spirit. To be born of water and spirit means to start your life from the event of what God has done. You have the event of your birthday when you were born into the world by your parents. You also have a a birthday from God, born of water and spirit. Baptism. By nature, we go through life saying, have I done enough? Do I know enough? Am I good enough? Jesus is saying, God intends to give you a new nature, whereby the beginning point of the meaning of your life is, look at how God has done everything. And if there is one thing that Jesus has made clear in this verse, it's that entry into God's kingdom, much like being born, is not something you can decide to do on your own. It is something that God does to you. It is something that God must do. God must be the one to move you from darkness and comfort through pain and constriction and crying into the seemingly infinite and bright future of God's kingdom. And the good news is that it is in God's nature to do exactly this for us because he knows better than we do that we were not meant for darkness. We were meant for light 
and for eternal life. And that, my friends, is why Jesus came. While Nicodemus is still trying to wrap his head around the physics of a full-grown person being born, Jesus speaks those most wonderful words of John 3, 16, and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus is emphatic about this as he is about being born again. Just as you must be born again, so too the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes can have eternal life. This is salvation. This, this entry into eternal life in God's kingdom would come the way that it came for Nicodemus' ancestors in the desert. Salvation would come by looking, just looking and beholding something that terrifies you, by looking at death itself, by looking at a bronze snake, the image of the very thing that was biting and killing them, God guaranteed salvation for everyone in the desert. Just so, when, when you look at Jesus on the cross, if you can see that he is up there on a mission from God of love for you, if you can look at Jesus on the cross and see this gift of God for all those who believe, then you are seeing heavenly things with eyes opened by the Spirit. And that is your birth certificate. And that means that no matter how fleeting our faithfulness no, many, no matter how many potholes are in our journey of trusting Jesus, when God looks at you, he says, you have the family resemblance. In fact, you are starting to look a little bit like your older brother. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we have still so many questions about the way that you do things. And yet we see and hear Jesus telling us that it was for the love of the world that you did all of it. Lord, help us to hold on to this with strength that you give us, that you love the world. We have seen the world. We see what's in it. And yet we trust that you love the world. And so we hope that if you could love the world, that seeing what is in us, you love us too. Amen. Friends, we make our response to God together, being given always something too big for us to hold. What does it mean? What does it mean for me? We take time to savor this by singing it, and by responding to God together. One of the ways that we can do that is to have now our third through fifth graders 
to be dismissed for our ECHO program, which is an opportunity for our students and our church leaders to talk together about what they're learning, what they're hearing, what they're observing in our church services. And so I'd invite you guys to come on up now. People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard, plant it deep in our hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Thanks be to God. We continue our response to God together to his good news by an act of trust, offering up some of what God has entrusted to us for the work of our congregation uh, through our offering. We can do that by passing baskets, but you can certainly give by placing checks in the box in the front, in the, box, uh, in the mailbox during the week, or by donating online. Having done so and doing that together, let's offer these things up to God together. Would you pray with me? Gift-giving and lavishly so, God. We are overcome that in the face of how we treat you and how we treat each other, that you would send yet one more gift, the best that you possibly could, your own son, who would give the greatest gift of his own life for us. As we savor this, O oh God, would you teach us to begin to act a little bit accordingly, by giving in response, not out of obligation uh, in fear that you don't love us, but in the certainty of knowing that absolutely you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Would you rise? So we sing after messages, so to give us an opportunity for... God's word to kind of soak in our hearts. Um, and I, as I knew what Pastor Matt was going to be preaching about today, and I thought, man, that's a, that's a passage we've read so many times. I mean, in it is John 3.16, probably the verse we know the most, right? Um, and so I, I love this hymn because it's written by a man who, Charles Wesley, who is considered the most prolific hymn writer of England. 6,000 hymns. To do that would, the, the verses that he wrote, would, he would spend 30 years writing 10 verses of hymns every day. 10 hymns, 10 verses of hymns every day for 30 years. That's how many hymns he wrote. And yet after writing hundreds of hymns and going to seminary and already being a pastor, it wasn't until in the midst of this song that he realized that he really didn't know Jesus Christ. And actually, the third verse, which we're going to sing at the second, because, you know, when we sing hymns, we've got to do the one, three, four. I don't know why they write soon. But, um, but it's verse three. That's the first verse that he wrote after writing hundreds of hymns that he wrote as a Christian, which I think is profound and a story worth telling every time I sing this song because it, it moves me. And then I put the capo on, and I'm not supposed to. All right. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? 
Brothers and sisters, having been gathered into God's presence and house to be given some amazingly good news, he now sends us back out again. Would you join me in this sending prayer? God of light, who in Jesus Christ called us out of darkness into marvelous light, through the cross you shattered our darkness, scattering the fears that bind us, setting us free to live as your children. Shine courage and conviction in us that we might declare your wonderful deeds, praising you with heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we might know and proclaim the light of the world. Amen. Friends, would you go and receive receiving God's blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. 
Amen. Let's go singing. Times I've failed, still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all pain. You will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself in bringing you praise everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame. My Lord, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the Christ be with you today and throughout the week. Amen.